On today's episode, I talk with Danny Font, who is a Pilates instructor extraordinaire and Breathe Education grad. I do need to let you know before we get into it that we're going to be discussing eating disorders, so if that's going to trigger you, maybe give this episode a miss. However, Danny's extremely candid conversation is really just inspiring and uplifting, and her story really illustrates how movement and Pilates in particular has helped her not necessarily overcome her challenges, but at least thrive and flourish through them. So I know you're going to be inspired by this conversation with Danny Font. Danielle, I'm so excited to be here to talk with you. Um, thanks so much for, for for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so I'm looking forward to it. I'm nervous. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so tell me your story about. Where were you before you came to study with us? Um, so I was, I had just gotten my Pilates group reformer instructor qualification. Um, so I'd been working for, been working at a studio local to me for about, oh, let's say probably two months before I signed up with Breathe. And so I got my qualification earlier that year in June and or I got it in June. I started in June and got it in November. And that was basically how I started Pilates. I went to a, a, a fr- not a free class, but I went to an instruction class at the studio that I'm currently working at now. And because it was recommended to me by a doctor and uh, I showed up for the classes and then the studio owner, the instructor came up to me and said, have you ever thought about teaching Pilates before? And I was like, no, I didn't even know what this was <laughs> two weeks ago. I had no idea what this was. I had no idea. I could barely get on a reformer. And yeah, within the next few months, I was signed up to a course um, that was happening in the city, um, just a three-day course all online, three practical days. And yeah, it was very, very different to my experience with breathe. It was extremely stressful. I questioned my ability and my ability to become a Pilates instructor quite a lot. Um, Questioned my decision because I was like, oh my God, what have I put myself through? I've just graduated high school. What am I doing? I should be at uni, like, what am I, I didn't, like, it's just such a, it's such a scary experience to be thrown in the deep end like that after not knowing what Pilates was, and, yeah, with, um, because obviously it was recommended to me by a doctor um, in the first place, I also had my own problems going on at home that I was also dealing with at the same time while doing this course, and that made it even more stressful for me, and, yeah, so that's how I was doing. I was just, I got my qualification finally after so much work um, at this other course. I won't mention the name, but at this other course. And then I started working. And so it was in six months from when I started taking Pilates or doing Pilates, I was then teaching my classes. And yeah, it was very, very scary at first. I was so lucky to have the owner of the studio as my mentor. So she was coaching me on the side while. Um, we were 
while I was going through the course, she helped me a lot. She helped me get through the course. She helped me with the assignments. She helped me teach what, you know, what pelvic floor is and all little details like that. And yeah, within those six months, I was teaching my classes and I'm still teaching those classes today just with, you know, more experience at my belt since I've just finished my last face, face session of my Cert 4 with Breathe Education. Wow. So you've had, there's been some really positive elements in there for you and some not so positive ones. Tell me about, so sort of going back right to that first class that you did yeah. essentially where that instructor, studio owner, yeah. you know, pulled you out of the front row of the reformer class and said, do you want to make this a career? What, what did, have, have, has she told you like what it was that she saw in you on that day? She, or she pulled me away at the end of the class and said, oh, do you mind if I just have a little word with you? And walking out and she's like well you know because we're in western sydney we're like you know there's not it's not too well known about pilates like uh, compared to the city or in melbourne for instance and so she said you know being in the area that we are we're in it's really hard to find pilates instructors that can come in and work covers so it was just hers that as the studio owner she was the sole instructor as well with another studio owner who was a yoga instructor um, cause it's a Pilates and yoga studio. And she came up to me and she was, you know, it's really hard to find Pilates instructors that can come in and work. So I've been, you know, looking around during my classes to see if I could maybe, you know, poach someone to become a Pilates instructor and coach them up and take them through the course. And she was, and I think you'd be perfect for it. She was, you, you've got really, really good body awareness. Um, you picked up on the exercises really quickly. You're a natural. I, could, I feel like I'm talking myself up, but this is just like her quotes. And yeah, because I had a background in dancing, I've been sporty my whole life, like state age netball, um, pretty much done every sport under the sun. But I used to be an acrobatics coach as well, like a dance teacher. Um, and I guess it just helped me with Pilates. Like it just came naturally to me. And yeah, she said she was really impressed with me and would love to meet up for a coffee and see where where we can take it what what the decision would be wow so you ha sounds like in your background you have a lot of uh, kind of things that have prepared you for you know for success in as a pilates teacher absolutely absolutely i was very lucky it just yeah i was lucky in terms of that i didn't really have to learn completely from scratch i knew how my body was meant to move um, I pick up on things quite quickly. Like my mum used to, <laughs> my mum used to say things all the time, like, "Oh, you're a freak of nature. I don't know how you do it." Because I'd watch a video on YouTube, and then, you know, next thing I know, I was doing a no-handed cartwheel in the grass. Like it's that sort of stuff. And um, see, so yeah, I was very lucky that as soon as my coach was, or my mentor was taking me through it, that as soon as she gave me a correction, I was able to pick up on it really quickly, and then remember queuing and remembering all those things to be a Pilates instructor. So I was just, I was, like you said, I was very, um, my background was a very big advantage to me in that situation. <coughs> and, uh, you said that the doctor sent you to Pilates. So tell me about, yeah. tell me about why. Yeah. So, uh, long story short, basically, um, a little bit different from the regular doctor that would recommend Pilates in terms of this doctor was actually a psychologist. So uh, when I was 15 years old, just turned 15, I was actually diagnosed with an eating disorder, anorexia nervosa. Um, I'd had it 
uh, probably for about six months actively for six months when I was diagnosed and it's been an ongoing, not an ongoing struggle, but it's been a very huge part of my life for the last four or five years. And so after lots and lots of recovery in 2015, when I was, um, you know, hospitals, that sort of stuff, um, we kind of branched away from the uh, recovery community in a way and kind of, uh, in, when I say we, I mean my family and I, so my parents and I, um, we kind of branched away from it for a little bit. Um, and then, you know, as eating disorders tend to do, they hide, they lie, they can be very, very secretive and they can do that, they can be that to the person with the eating disorder. So I had no idea that I was actually in anti-recovery, as you could say, or fake recovery for a solid maybe three, four years. Um, so I was very secretive. I didn't have a normal life, never had a really good relationship with food. It was, um, it was bad and I didn't realise how bad it was until I graduated high school and I was out in the adult world. I didn't have the world of school to, you know, hide from my parents with food or hide food from my parents and hide food from my friends and, you know, have that constant competitiveness with the, the peers around you and, you know, things like that, like that identity of having an eating disorder, you're just constantly there. So when you, and everyone knew it. And then once I got out of high school, going into the work, workforce, I guess, of just, you know, retail, hospitality, stuff like that, people don't know you. And it was kind of like an, like a, a pathway for me to really dive into my eating disorder without realizing I didn't realize how much of a struggle it was to have a normal adult life with an eating disorder because I'd only had it since I was an adolescent. And yeah, it was, it got to the, I got to a very, very bad point um, in 2018 or start of last year to the point where I actually ended up walking into my mum's bedroom with a, with my lunch saying, I can't eat this. I need help again. And I broke down. So it started there, went, went to the GP. It was the first time I actually had admitted I needed and wanted help for my eating disorder because back when I was 15, it was kind of forced upon me because I was still, I was under the age of 16. So I still had to be, you know, still everything was dictated by my parents. If your child was sick, they decide what happens to you. Um, and yeah, so I was, that's probably why I was so anti-recovery for a long time because, you know, being a stubborn adolescent teenager, being having a stubborn disease, <laughs> it wasn't a great combination. And yeah, so then it was very forced. This is what's going to happen. You need to go to hospital. You need to gain to this weight. You need to do this. You need to eat this way. You need to exercise this way. You can't do this. You can't do that. So this is the first time I'd, ac- I'd actually voluntarily put my hand up and said, I need assistance. Like this right. is something that needs to be done. So that's when you say you're in kind of anti-recovery. What you mean was you were doing all the things you were told, like you were eating and you were gaining weight and you were doing those things, but inside there was still some part of you yeah. that yeah. was complying. Yeah, absolutely. So I would be, yeah, I was, you know, my weight stayed the same for the whole three three years that I was in anti-recovery, but I was still hiding food for my parents whenever I had a chance to, if I was at school and I wasn't being monitored, it was, you know, it was just all secret. It was secrets for a very, very long time. And it was secrets from both ends in terms of mum knew I was lying. So she would make up for the food that I wasn't eating. And then 
since, so there was no weight loss. Um, but then also I was lying because I thought mum would up my intake. So then I needed to retract it. And it, it was a vicious cycle. I went on for way too long. And yeah, it just got to the point where, you know, I'd, I started working again because obviously I couldn't work during high school because of my eating disorder. It was too dangerous for me to work. Um, so then when I started working after school and it was like, oh, you're back to that, having that sense of control over your food. You can go a whole day without eating and, you know, working in a cafe as well. It was pretty inevitable because I would just be like, oh, I, I, yeah, it's, it's fine. I had breakfast, I had lunch, I had work, it, it, all that stuff. And, yeah, it got to the point where I was in the worst mental state I'd been in. Like I'd had my lowest of lows with my eating disorder when I was 15, but being 18 and in the adult world, it was a completely different type of low. So when I put my hand up and said, I need help, it was, you know, at first it was kind of like I just wanted the validation that I had an eating disorder because everyone assumed that I was recovered because I'd I gained 15 kilos. And they're like, oh, you used to have an eating disorder. That's fine. Um, oh, how do you recover from it? Blah, blah, blah. And yeah, at first it was kind of like, I just want validation. So people know that I, I have still struggled with this for four years. Like I don't look like it, but it is an ongoing thing and it is so hard to deal with and things like that. But then I started and it was kind of like, wow, I actually realized how hard this recovery thing actually is because, you know, back then people were recovering for me. My parents were feeding me. My doctors were feeding me. I was being told what to do. I was being told what not to do. Now being an adult, I have to do it myself. And that was the hardest part for me. So then I started going to um, a psychologist in the city once a week um, because, and that was something that my my mum and I found ourselves, uh, like a private clinician, um, because another stigma with eating disorders is that to be, to need the help, you need to look as if you have an eating disorder. You need to be that minimum BMI, you need to have that, um, you know, you have to have the look, I guess that's the only way I can say it because two, um, two specialists have told me that, oh, you know, it, it's possible you can get help from there if you want to, but these people only take this really serious patients and you're still a healthy weight, so you're not really that serious of a case. And in that point, I wasn't eating for days because I was too scared to. It was the worst I'd been with my eating disorder and I was 15 kilos heavier than my lowest. And, yeah, so my mum and I just said, stuff it. We're going to find our own specialists. We're going to do this ourselves. And then I met my psychologist in the city and I've been going to her since every day for a week. And she told me because also with eating disorders, there's a side of it that's exercise based and so I was doing HIT workouts like high intensity interval training many times during the week um you know YouTube influencer ebooks stuff like that I didn't realize how much pressure I'd put on my body over the years and my doctor said you need to stop with the with the cardio with the high intensity and you need to start going to yoga and Pilates she says the two things I don't want you doing anything else she says I want you to doing yoga for your mind your Pilates for your mind as well, but also Pilates for your body because you need to recover. Like you need to settle down. And yeah, she was the first person that had told me that and said, you know, it's okay to not smash yourself for exercise. It's okay to not, you know, be dripping in sweat after a workout. It's okay to feel good about just moving your body. 
and not feeling like you need to lie down on the lounge with a like a with a heat pack with a ice pack on your forehead for 20 minutes after like it's yeah that's what she got me into it when I say doctor recommended it to me I mean my psychologist and really I think it needs to be recommended more in psychology as well I know lots of doctors and physiotherapists recommend it but there's an element of the mind to it and it helps immensely like I haven't done any sort of it sounds really bad like don't, like don't do as I do but I literally haven't really done any other exercise apart from Pilates and yoga since I do play netball um once a week but other than that like Pilates is my main source of exercise and it I it's probably the healthiest relationship I've had with exercise since I was 14, 13. Yeah. So throughout that, there's, there are quite a few things there I'd really like to unpack. Yeah. So throughout that period of, you know, three or four years of anti-recovery, kind of on the outside, you looked kind of perfect because oh. the right weight, you were doing all the right things and yeah. all that. But really there was a real part of you that wasn't yeah. you know, functioning properly. and wasn't, Absolutely. Wasn't yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah, everyone would, like I said, everyone would say to me, oh, yeah, I remember when you had an eating disorder. I remember when you had anorexia. Like, oh, God, that must have been terrible. You know, and because I was X amount of weight heavier, they just assumed, oh, yeah, because you're not underweight, you're still normal. And I was, you know, I was, um, I was still engaging in very, very toxic um, behaviours with an eating disorder. You know, I was still counting calories all the time in my head I wouldn't like even now I can look at food I can look at food on a plate and I can tell you how many ca- it's like a superpower like it's not really a great superpower <laughs> but I, it's like I can literally look at a look at a plate of food and I can be like yeah that's got that amount of calories in it and because my mind just adapted to it so easily after so many years and it's almost like because I was so young and naive when I first had my eating disorder the older I got the the deeper my eating disorder dove and like I soaking up information wherever I was getting it and you know it's like just taking it all in and yeah from the outside for years I up until you know even till this day only my my parents and a few close friends know that I'm going through recovery still and people still say oh you're looking great and blah blah, blah. such a night like you you've got a killer body you've got this and oh you're having the best life and because I'm a Pilates instructor and stuff like that and really like some days it's really really hard like even back then it like back then especially was really hard it affected me so much that you know I didn't even get my ATAR I was a for years from primary school I was you know top of the class, straight A student, perfectionist, obviously that the traits of someone with an eating disorder anyway, high anxiety. Um, yeah, I would, you know, 100% on exams or nothing was like nothing less and I'm very competitive with myself, very school, um, you know, very driven by my schoolwork. And yeah, I got to year 12 and my eating disorder got to me so much that I didn't even go for my ATAR. I dropped out of my ATAR at the school and my parents actually had a meeting with me and they gave me an ultimatum to either leave school or not get my ATAR anymore because they could see how stressed I was, but they just thought it was stressed from school rather than my eating disorder affecting my ability to function cognitively. And 
it's only now, like with the hindsight that I see that, um, like how could anyone function when they're not eating for the whole day at school and things like that. And yeah, it's, it's much more than just a physical illness. It is, it's a mental disease with physical repercussions for some people. Like it might not be physical, uh, like appearance, but there's definitely physical repercussions inside your body. Um, you know, just things like that. But obviously that's the, the stigma of eating disorders is that people don't realize how much you can struggle from an eating disorder or people can have eating disorders when they're not underweight, like or severely underweight. Um, one, I was always a very slim person growing up. I was always known for being the slim person, which is also something that I believe um, kind of triggered my eating disorder is that identity of being a small, small frame person, very fit, very healthy. Um, but yeah, people don't realize that, you know, you can be overweight and have an eating disorder. You can struggle with eating disorders for years. And yeah, it's just, that's the hardest part of having an eating disorder is the stigma of having an eating disorder and not looking like you have an eating disorder. And that's the, the part that's hard to get over and it's hard to deal with, which is what I was dealing with back then. And also what I'm dealing with now, like a lot of people don't know that I struggle with an eating disorder, especially now that I work in the in industry of Pilates industry. Like my clients don't know, like I've, I've a couple, like a handful of them know because I do private with them one-on-one -on -one and, you know, it comes up in conversation if we're talking about something or are they, um, you know, if they can find in me with something and I'll open up about myself. But um, yeah, like I know I keep repeating it, but it's that, you know, it's a mental thing. Like you, you can work in the industry, you can go out and function like a normal person, but whatever's going on inside your head, like no one knows about that except you. Right. So on the, on the outside, you've got this kind of perfect life and, yeah. you know, everything's great. But on the inside, that's not the reality for you. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. Like it's only, you know, it's even, even the point of medications, you know, like I, I've had very, very high functioning anxiety since I was four years old, um, you know, with, for lots and lots of different reasons. And it's only until June last year that I started, started medication for my anxiety to help me manage my anxiety and help me manage my eating disorder because obviously the higher functioning anxiety you have, you know, the more your brain is going to not function like as it's meant to be. I know that sounds really strange, but it's just, you know, if you're constantly uh, worrying over one little thing and you have high functioning anxiety anyway, for example, food, if you're obsessed with food and all the worries that come with it, like the, the body image and the, you know, activity levels and everything else that runs through your brain, when you have high functioning anxiety, it's just going to elevate even more. Mm. So I didn't realize that to manage the, eating disorder, I need to manage the anxiety first. And so I started the medication. Obviously no one actually knows I'm on medication until like, unless a, you know, the few handful of people that know, like my family, my, um, a couple of my close friends, but yeah, again, that links into the, you know, look like a normal person from the outside, look like you have it all together, but really it's, you know, you're having to do things to manage yourself, to keep yourself, keep yourself together. Like you need to have, that assistance of medication. You need to have that assistance of it's okay to sleep for the whole day if you really need to, if you're that exhausted. Because another thing with anxiety is that, you know, 
you might not do much during the day. You might not have a very busy life, but you are exhausted 24 seven because your mind does not shut off. And a lot of like my friends always tease me and say like, Oh, how are you so tired? Like you don't do like a, a couple hours work each week. Like you don't, you don't go to uni, you don't, don't do this. And I'm thinking, Oh, well, if only you knew like how fast my thoughts run and how quickly it's like a, it's like, you know, when you like, have you, like in the movie up and the dog's talking, he's like, Oh, squirrel. Like it's instantly like taken away. Like that's what anxiety is like. And especially with eating swords, you go from one thought to the next, to the next, to the next. And yeah, so that's all internal. It's all internal. So no one actually sees that. And yeah, that's the, that's the reality of it. So how did, you know, so you, there, so anxiety is like really closely tied in with sort of that disordered eating yeah. pattern. And another thing that you mentioned is perfectionism, which also yeah. kind of goes hand in hand with anxiety and goes hand in hand with. with oh yeah. And the, Pilates industry is rife with perfectionism. Yeah. Like there's a lot of insta perfection and there's a oh, lot of perfectionism. Absolutely. Just, yeah. So tell me how you've how have you managed to navigate that sort of those waters? I have managed to navigate them since starting my journey with breathe education, in all honesty. That's just where it started. Before breathe education, I know that I was very, you know, Instagram how am I meant to look? What's it? What am I meant to do as a Pilates instructor? Uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then as I started with breathe education, you know, I learned that, you know, it's just about moving your body. Pilates is all about moving your body. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what gym clothes you wear. It doesn't matter what um, size you are. It doesn't matter anything about that. I know that sounds really cliche, but it's very true. And I like, especially from, you know, because my teacher trainers were Nick and Chloe and God, they were just amazing. And they were just, you know, they helped me through it a lot. And they, they just got the point across that, you know, to be a Pilates instructor, you don't have to fit a certain mold. There is no mold for a Pilates instructor. And there's no mold for a person who participates in Pilates either. I can, you know, you learn about, you learn about this, and previously you'd say it all the time of, you know, make sure your legs are at a right uh, 90 degree angle. Make sure you've got a neutral spine. Make sure your arms are straight above your shoulders. Make sure you're keeping your chin at this height. Make sure you don't lift, turn this way. Make sure you don't turn that way. And then since breathe education, I know I've become a lot more flexible with myself, but like with my self practice in Pilates and I've gotten stronger for that as well, but I've also gotten a lot more flexible as a teacher, because I know that, you know, you don't have to look a certain way to do exercises. You don't need to look a certain way to be a Pilates instructor. You can do this, you can do that. And that was a really, really hard thing to navigate originally because with perfectionism, I was like, I need to have that mold to fit into. So I know what to strive for. I need to know exactly what I need to aim for. I need a target um, I need an end goal so I can get to that. And what can I do to get this? What can I do to that? Okay. How do I get my legs to look this way? How do I get my arms to look this way? How do I get to, you know, my voice sounding like this? How do I do this? How do I do that? How do I get people to like me? Like it's, it was a bit, it was a big thing. It was a really hard thing to navigate. And then it just got easier and easier as I progressed with breathe education. Like as I went through my cert four at the face-to-face sessions. Well, I'm so delighted that, <laughs> 
you know, that, that you've had that experience because that's one of the things that we really try hard to, you know, it, to teach. And you nailed it. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm so touched that that's, you know, been meaningful for you. Um, so I guess now's probably a good time to, and, you know, I don't want to talk about your the other Pilates training that you did. I'm not interested in, in yeah. that as such. But I am interested in understanding why after you'd done that Pilates training already and you were out working as a Pilates instructor, yeah. why did you feel like you needed to come and do more Pilates training? Um, because, well, one, I know, like, not delving back into the other, um, you know, the other course I took, but I really felt like I wanted to keep learning about Pilates. I wanted that extra information. I left the course. I did feeling very, very alone in the dark, still like a, you know, like I jumped into, into deep water and not knowing how to swim. Like I wanted that concise, um, education that breathe education gives. Um, I wanted to learn the repertoire properly. I wanted to learn how to teach people properly. I wanted that extra in-depth analysis of Pilates and get that cert for qualification. Like, yeah, it's great to have on a resume to say you're cert for qualified in, in mat work and reformer because that's another thing as well. I wanted my mat work qualification because my previous course didn't give that. It was just a quick uh, get your group reformer instructor uh, qualification so you can teach reformer immediately. And I wanted more than that. I wanted to know the ins and outs of Pilates. I wanted to know the, you know, the, the history behind it. I wanted to know, you know, I wanted to know life through contrology. I wanted everything that Breathe Education gave and it, you know, I just really enjoyed it. Now I feel a lot more confident. I can safely instruct my clients. I can safely explain, uh, like, any queries or any things my clients ask me or, you know, I feel safe teaching my clients. I feel like they're safe now that I've done that. And I didn't feel, not that I didn't feel safe previously before taking the course, but, you know, I just still felt very shy, very um, withdrawn, very introverted in my teaching before I started my journey with Breathe Education. And I'm I'm only just learning now that I'm actually a very extroverted person. <laughs> um, another thing with eating disorders as well is that it completely takes away your identity. Like I have no idea what my 20-year-old self is meant to look like because my last time, the last time I had a healthy self was a 12, 13-year-old girl and no, no adult is the same as they were, like looks or sounds or acts the same as they were when they were 12, 13. And growing up, I always thought I was very introverted. Apparently that's not the case at all. Um, and I, I was teaching, I was, as I was teaching, I was still acting very introverted when now since going with Breathe, Breathe Education, like I make my clients laugh. I make a fool of myself. I, you know, I'm very loud. I'm very, <laughs> like to make some jokes and, you know, and I think Chloe and Nick got me, <laughs> got me to that point as well and seeing all the other people that I did my course with and seeing how they bloomed as Pilates instructors as well and, yeah, I know. I keep I keep diverting from the questions, but yeah, it was just I wanted that further study in Pilates. I wanted to have something to do during the year because obviously I'm only working as a Pilates instructor. I don't go to uni. I don't do any of that because of my eating disorder. I was like, you know what? I feel like I want to redo a course. I want to do a course because I want to, not because I 
have to get into it so I can immediately start working, which wasn't a bad thing. I just had that extra pressure of, you know, I need to get the qualifications so I can start working and help out the studio, help out the, my mentor and my instructor. Um, but now I was like, right, I've got my qualification. I can breathe. I can, I can do my thing and I can get this extra element of, you know, education behind my belt. Like I can get that extra information underneath, like just in my back pocket. And yeah, I'm so glad I did it. <laughs> I'm really, really glad I did it. I just, I just loved it. So on the first day of the course, if you can think back to the first day of, of your course with us. Yeah. Um, almost everybody, you know, I'm going to say we're pretty close to every single person has some significant anxiety about some aspect of the course. For most yeah. people, it's getting up in front of a group of people. Yeah. Um, for a lot of people, it's to do with body image. Um, yeah. Whether it's how they look or whether they're strong or flexible or fit yeah. enough or the right height or the right shape or, yeah. you know, there are so many things that people struggle with in terms of their own self-doubt and, and fears, you know, but many of those things you had already kind of been through because you've done kind of all of those other physical disciplines before and you're yeah. teaching Pilates. Yeah. So, so tell me about what you struggled with and, and how that uh, unfolded through the course. I, str I struggled with going in as the Pilates instructor, as silly as that sounds, but I felt like I had to, you know, I felt like I was going to be watched and judged and analysed of, oh, she's the Pilates instructor. Like I remember one of the one of the girls came up to me and we had a, you know, I think we were doing um, United Nations of teaching each other the, the exercises and they came up to me and she's like, oh, my God, no, the, what, when with the teacher. And I was like, no, I don't want, it to, <laughs> don't want it to be like that. I'm still learning as well. Like I'd only been doing Pilates for six months at that point. Like it, I was still very, very new to it. I just had the element of that I fell on my feet and I was already teaching. Like I, I was still struggling with it. And, yeah, I still, while I still had to combat those, I previously combated those body image and the, you know, being flexible and stuff like that. Um, it was still something that I was dealing with. It was still very hard. It was, it's very hard to spend, you know, 12 hours during the weekend with a whole group of people in front of mirrors and doing exercise and having to video each other and having to exercise in front of each other and teach each other and, you know, give each other um, helpful criticism and, you know, and give each other reinforcements as well. So it's really hard to accept, um, accept, accept compliments and reinforcements at the same time. Mm. And it, yeah, so that was something that I found really hard. I still struggled with those things with the high anxiety around teaching and being in front of people. Like I was, the one thing I, like, I felt like a bit of a tool, to be honest, because I was like, oh, like I'm the only teacher here. Like I feel like I've got such a, an advantage. Like um, there are people, you know, some people were breaking down because I was so stressed and so worried. How are they going to fit in their self-practice? How are they going to fit in their, their teaching? And I already had my teaching hours logged. I'd already... You know, I have access to a studio 24-7. I have access to reformers. I have access to watching classes all for free as well. And so I didn't have that element in my course. I was stressful, but I felt like I had a lot to live up to because of that. And yeah. that was the hardest thing I had to deal with. Like I got a lot of, oh, you know, this must be so easy for you. Oh, you must be, you know, this must be a breeze for you. But it was still very stressful I because I was so used to reformer. I'd only ever done reformer. I'd only ever taught reformer. Mat work was a whole other thing for me. 
And that was terrifying. It's still terrifying. I've only just started teaching my mat work at my studio now, like just a couple of classes. And it still scares me. Like everyone would be like, oh, my God, I'm dreading our reformer. I'm dreading the reformer assessment. And I'm like, don't oh, don't look at me for the mat work. It was like it's, I don't know, we have our little things that we can, that we love and we're nervous about and we're confident in. But then no matter what experience we have, we will still have those little things that we're scared of. <laughs> right. And, and, and we all tend to look at others and see, notice the things that they're better at or more confident at. Than oh, yeah. But we don't often, it's, it's often easier to sort of gloss over or not even notice the things where we're actually better yeah. than others. And, you know, everybody's better and that some things are worse at other things. And yeah. then we have our things like when when we um you know when we when we when I teach a course I I can demonstrate the exercises that require strength really easily. Yeah. But the ones that require flexibility, I totally oh. suck at. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's that really was, embarrassing. <laughs> uh, that was me, but the opposite way around. Like Chloe would straight and be like, "Oh, we need someone that's bendy." Right, Daddy, come here and do the bridge on the reformer, and it was like the high bridge on the reformer. But then as soon as it came to you know, stuff with, um, like any, uh, because I, you know, I tore my hammy the, the day before the first weekend of the course doing the splits because <laughs> I got a bit cocky and I was like, oh, yeah, let's, I feel pretty warmed up after class today and I'll do that. And, yes, anything that required flexibility with my left leg or, you know, anything that involved strength of my left leg, I was very, very tedious and very cautious of that and that was, that was also like a very nervous, like that was also something that scared me with the class when everyone was, you know, when we first met everyone was like, oh, what are your fears? I was like, well, I'm scared I'm not going to be able to do most of the repertoire because of my bad hammy or my, my stubborn hammy, as Chloe said. It's not a bad hammy. It's, <laughs> you don't say bad, it's stubborn. So, um, yeah, it was just I'm the same, like strength base. I'm quite all right with strength, but flexibility-wise, I'm a lot better at so it's yeah you'd see it's, um you'd have the things that you are you'd, you'd know yourself you're quite good at but you never consider it as like a trait that you have you still always focus on that oh but I can't do that that I can't do what they can do and so you see the things that you can do as kind of normal yeah and then the things that you can't do uh, it's the end of the like, world like yeah. yeah it's just utter defeat um, it's, <laughs> so tell me about um, tell me about how you know as you worked through the process of doing the course um, how how did you because you've had quite a transformative journey, yeah you know, yeah like that that piece that you wrote on Facebook with which you know I'm going to prop up on the screen when yeah. you finish this yeah uh, edited in which was so beautiful and, and uh, touching. And so many of us here at um, Northcote and because and, we have a team who works around yeah. the country, but we, most of us work here at Northcote and we come in and, you know, we were tearing up. And uh, it's, it's <laughs> such a, I mean, for a student to say, you know, to experience the kind of transformation that you have, yeah. that's what we hope for. You know, that's, yeah. that's, what, we're, that's what we're here for. Was, so yeah. I'd, really, I'd really like to understand from your perspective, like as you come into the course, 
you know, in some ways already competent and confident and in other ways, you know, feeling terribly anxious and like you've put all this pressure on yourself because you're the one instructor in the room and and, and also having yeah. kind of eating disorder kind of yeah. in the background of the whole situation. How did, you know, how, tell me about that journey from that place to the place you're at when you wrote that Facebook post five months later. Well, um, so went into the went into the course and I was very I was at quite a, a low point of my recovery not a low point but I've lost quite a lot of weight since I came out six months earlier and said I need help again because one thing with learning doing recovery yourself is that it's a lot of ups and downs and typically when you're learning to eat for yourself again you know for someone in sort they're probably not going to eat enough and so I lost quite a lot of weight I went in a lot smaller than what I am now at the, st- the start. So I was very self-conscious about that. Um, I was still very nervous about the course, um, what I was going to expect, you know, what knowledge I had already, what am I going to be like, what are they going to think of me, how do I talk to these people, who am I going to expect because on my last course it was just four of us um, that sat in a room for the two days and just watched our instructor go through the repertoire and we had to write notes. Um, so I was like, oh, God, what am I, you know, what's it going to be like? Am I going to be very, uh, you know, is it, am I going to have to do this all myself? Is it very keep to yourself, don't do anything, just watch what needs to be done, uh, go through it yourself, basically. I know I just said that. But, um, yeah, so I was, very, I was very anxious about what the process was going to be compared to what I'd gone through before and you know, even with a small group, you know, compared to the 17 people in the group for the Cert 4 qualification and then the four for the Pilates Instructor Reformer course, I don't know any of the names of the four people I was with. I don't know what they're doing now. I don't know anything about them. And so I was very worried seeing a very big group of people and thinking, oh, my goodness, it's going to feel, I'm going to feel like I'm back in high school or back in primary school where it's, you know, you go to a new class or you go to, somewhere you're not used to and it's very stay very quiet keep to yourself just wait for the day to be over I was thinking god what am I going to do for six hours of the day then I'm gonna have to do it all again tomorrow and yeah it wasn't until you know as the hours went by that you realized how safe you were like how safe you felt with with the teachers with the people around you everyone is thinking the exact same thing I know that's a very very cliche thing to say but everyone is feeling the same way everyone is feeling anxious everyone is very scared of what you know all these people in the room everyone is really scared of what these 34 mat work exercises are what is this contrology like it's you know it it was just it was a surreal experience so then each week um that we showed up or each weekend that we showed up it just got a little bit easier a little bit easier we got more comfortable with everyone. We were laughing. We were, um, we were learning each other's little traits. You know, by then we'd added each other on social media. We were f- like following up with each other, checking in on each other, um, which made me feel a lot safer as well. And you know, uh, another part of it, well, with the eating disorder, is that because it's a six-hour day, you know, eating disorders like schedules. They like eating at certain times. It's what you're used to. It's the safety blanket, and you know, you can't do that if you <laughs> you don't have you don't have the safety blanket of a scheduled time 
when you when you're at a course for six hours during the day and that was something that I had to get used to and I had no idea what how to eat like I know this sounds so silly but I literally had no idea how to eat because I was completely out of my time zones and you know as each weekend went by I slowly figured out how to eat more intuitively and that was purely from the help of the peers around me because I would you know eating disorders learn a lot of things like it can be very toxic sometimes they can take in the wrong information but you know everyone else is just like they're like little angels in the room and you know I'd see how they were eating I'd see what they were eating I'd see what they were drinking like I it wasn't until I started the course that I started putting milk in my coffee like it was like because just going through it, like obviously it, during high school with an eating disorder, you're with the same people for so many years. You already know what they eat. You already know what they do. Most people don't eat when they're at school, you know, and you pick up on that and you're like, oh, well, I don't really know. Like you, it's like I don't have any visual, like I said about that goal earlier, but it's like you don't have that idea of like a visual representation of what it's meant to be like. And so I've always had this toxic way of eating. I'm like, no, you don't eat during the day. You don't eat at school. You don't eat at breakfast, blah, blah, blah. And then seeing everyone, you know, show up, oh, lunchtime at three o'clock and they get out their lunch boxes from the fridge and they'd grab their coffee and grab their tea and, you know, everyone's eating so many different things and bringing over dinners and, you know, such big age gaps as well. Like there was like 18 to, you know, in the 60s and it was just, it was just eye-opening to see the difference or see or to be able to learn from them. And I told him at the end of the course as well, you know, I hadn't been able to cry for nine months because of eating disorders and mental health as well. You know, you get quite numb and it wasn't because I didn't want to cry, but I literally physically couldn't cry until the final day of the weekend. And it all came out. I think nine months of tears came out that day. And I opened up and said, thank you guys for, you know, you helped me eat. And yeah, it was just, you know, that sounds so silly to think, to think of that through a course and, say oh, a trend the trans transformation you made is through eating because you're seeing other people eat but you know that's the truth that's what happened I at the start of the course I didn't know how to snack properly bet- between meals I didn't really know how to eat intuitively I, not that I didn't really know I didn't know how to eat intuitively I didn't know that it was okay to put milk in my tea or coffee I didn't know that it was okay to have more than just a sandwich for lunch I didn't know it was okay to you know just snack all day if I wanted to and yes that was a huge part of the transformation for me and because of that I've obviously gotten up to a healthier weight a lot of um my my internal functioning is a lot better than what it was six months ago as well before beginning the course mentally I feel very um very safe in my education and my knowledge of Pilates as well. Like I feel very comfortable talking about Pilates, feel very comfortable talking about the history of Pilates. You know, it's, I enjoy listening to all those things. Like if it wasn't for breathe education and the course and the, the weekends of the course, I wouldn't have known about, um, you know, Pilates anytime. I would have known about Pilates unfiltered with Jenna Zavino. I would wouldn't have known about, you know, Anula's amazing way, like amazing perception of Pilates and her theories behind it, and you know all the history of Joseph Pilates and Romana and the elders and things like that, and it it just makes me feel like I have 
you know, it's like my little bit of identity. Like I've always loved learning. I've always loved, like I watch, like I'm the person that'll watch documentaries and write notes because I feel like it. Or I'll listen to podcasts and write notes. Like on my way to the city for my appointment the other the other day, I was listening to your um, your interview with Courtney Miller and I was just taking notes over it. And then I listened to one with Anula and I was taking notes of that. And um, yeah, it was just, I wouldn't have known all that without Breathe Education. And it, yeah, the the just a completely different person and just finding your own voice as well. Let's take a break. Welcome back. Like that was a huge thing. Like I'd only ever taken a Pilates class with my instructor, the, of the owner of the studio. I'd only ever heard her voice teaching. I'd only ever seen her style of teaching. I'd only ever seen how her clients respond to her teaching. And, you know, that was the only piece of information I had and she was absolutely incredible like I oh god she's just amazing but it's like I still like even my mum would say to me god you sound so much like like Beck and I'm like yes. oh and I was like yeah and even like even Beck was laughing because she could hear it as well and I could hear it I was like I can't get rid of this voice like I can't I don't know what it is and then since starting you know from the beginning to the end of my course my time with Breathe Education it's you know, I sound like I watch videos of what I used to teach previously. Um, so I'd sometimes record my clients and I listen to my voice. So like, who is talking? Like, who, who is that? So even like the change in your voice and your stance and, the, you know, Nicole taught us the power stance and, you know, if you walk in and it's, yeah, it's a, your body, that's all it is. It's just oh, the Superman stance and how impactful that is. And it's, you know, before I wouldn't do that, I'd walk into class and because being 19 as well and clients being, you know, twice your age, three times your age, you know, a few years older than you, majority or a lot older, a lot of mums or, you know, like grandmas that come to Pilates and the idea that a 19-year-old was, you know, the one in charge and telling them what to do was really intimidating to me because I didn't know what that was like and now... I feel so much more confident. I feel like I'm in charge of the room when I go there, but not in a sarky way, not like in a, you know, like you need to listen to me. It's just I feel very in control, in control of myself, in control of my class. Um, and, again, that's through what I've learned with Breathe Education and the assessments we went through of teaching each other and the, the power stances and getting the, you know, the, 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 step, the three-step system of, guiding your clients and you know I didn't know any of that like I didn't know it was just like you just need to get your clients moving and then you can start you know diving further into the analysis of the exercise and stuff like that and yeah like there's just been so many different transformations so my my relationship with food like it's still very very toxic I'll admit that and it's very very hard to deal with at times and even my relationship with exercise it is very hard for me to deal with sometimes but that has changed immensely since starting the course from beginning to end of the course. My way of teaching has changed completely since starting the course. My voice has changed since start of the course. My personality as well, like I'm getting more of my personality. Um, my confidence with the, um, the terminology and history and just teaching in general, that's, you know, miles apart from where I was six months ago or five months before the course and yeah there's just a lot of 
a lot of mental changes and physical changes and social and, you know, the biopsychosocial, it's all, all been huge changes from the start, from start to the end of the course. Mm. So that finding your voice, um, because you mentioned earlier, not just finding your voice as an instructor, because it's, it's very normal, it's usual when you start out learning a skill to kind of be really derivative and to copy someone. Yeah. You know, whether you're learning music or teaching yeah. or whatever, like you copy someone who's great and you admire and you end yeah. up being like a, an imitation of that person, you know, and that's, that's completely normal. And yeah. I've been through that phase myself. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you progress on to find your own unique voice, yeah. which you have, and you, your unique voice as a teacher. But it sounds like you've also found like your actual u- unique voice as a human because you realise that you're an extrovert and they're yeah. like your actual personality has changed. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It's just, you know, being, in the, being around the right people, being around uh, being in a supportive environment, being around like-minded people and you don't feel judged and you don't feel worried about what you say and what you do. You can have an opinion. You can have a voice. You can have judgments. You can have like your own specific ideologies and you can have your input and things and that just builds you up to be the person that you are like I said that in the paragraph that you know you guys kind of guided us to become our true authentic selves and I 100% believe that like not even myself but I see you know I've got they're all just all of them that are in my group all the all the people that are in my group they changed completely from the people they were at the start of the course to the end and you know, there's some in particular that I know and they were, I went to them at the end and said, you are just, you have grown so much as a person and as a Pilates instructor, like going from, you know, the start of the uh, start of the course where, you know, we were introducing ourselves and that was absolutely, you know, anxiety provoking. Like that was like the end of the world. Like we have to say our names. Like it was, it was really hard. And then going to the end of the course where they were putting out the most, brutal reformer and mat work exercises making us sweat and you know with such soft voices though and their personal voices and you know seeing how different each individual uh, each individual person was as as themselves and as pilates instructors not one of us sounded the same when we were teaching not one of us used the same cues if unless they were really really good and then we kind (laughs) of kind of took some of those and just wrote them down um but yeah, and it just that just helps you find your voice as a person. Like, yeah, it might be hard to find your voice as a Pilates instructor. It might be hard to transfer from yourself to a Pilates instructor. Some people, like myself included, found that confidence as a Pilates instructor and then that confidence came into my own personality. And, you know, some people might be very introverted as a person, but they can be very extroverted as a teacher. Some people might be very extroverted as a person, but they can be very calm and composed and relaxed as a teacher um, compared to what they are outside of the outside of the studio. And yeah, it just it I honestly it's just the way that you guys have done it. How you know how simple you've made the task of learning how to become a teacher, and you know how easy it can be it doesn't need to be complicated to get people to move it doesn't need to be complicated to 
you know, teach a class. You don't need to be making crazy programs all the time. You don't need to be doing this. You don't need to be doing that. You don't have to fit into a mold of what people perceive Pilates instructors to be because there is no mold of a Pilates instructor. Like, I, you, don't, you don't realize that until you've gone through the course and you've learned all that stuff and you've been surrounded by all these people that no one looks the same. No one sounds the same. No one teaches the same. Like, no one sounds like Joseph Pilates. No one, like, don't, actually, Joseph Pilates didn't even talk. <laughs> he just shoved people into no. the exercises. He's not very verbal. <laughs> you know? um, but, yeah, like, you know, there's, you know, you can't just go in being a copy of someone. You can't go in being a copy of Romana. You can't go in being a copy of, uh, of Joseph. You can't go in being a copy of, you know, the person above you or the person you're looking up to because that's not what people are going to remember at the end of the day. That's not what they're going to remember from your experience in a Pilates class. They'll remember your personality, but they won't understand it if you're just mimicking someone. Like it's mm. not going to, you know, it's not going to stick with them. And, yeah, it just, from finding that confidence to be, um, in teaching and finding your voice in teaching, it definitely helps you get that confidence in the real world and outside the studio and, you know, find that true authentic self. Like you said, like I know now, like I used to be very, very quiet um, outside the studio. I wouldn't really talk to people. I wouldn't really, you know, I'd be very worried about what I'd be saying, um, you know, just in case I said something wrong. And now, like, I'm the person that you kind of hide away from in the shopping center because I'll keep up a 20-minute conversation with you if you ask me, like, where the rice is. <laughs> and it's, like, and I true and, and six months ago, I wasn't like that. Six months ago, I was very scared. I was just constantly thinking about what the next day was going to entail and completely just stuck in a little bubble of my own. Like, it, but then since going into the course, since going through all the weekends, since meeting all these amazing people and amazing instructors, it's just, it just reiterates the idea that everyone is different. There is no mold for, for the world. There is no way you need to look. There is no way you need to sound. There is no right or wrong. If someone doesn't like the way you sound, then that's like, that's their fault. Like they can worry about that themselves. They can go off in their own little world, but you know, the strongest thing ever is just to find your voice. Like that is the, that is a huge thing. And that's definitely something that I've noticed a difference in since starting the course. Like even like talking to you now, like I would have been terrified if you told me six months, like I was terrified to come into this now, but if you told me to come in six months ago and just talk on camera, I would have been, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Who, who, like who do I need to portray? Who do I need? Like I would have probably researched, what do people do in interviews? Like, how do they, how do they sit? How do they stand? How do they, how do they sound? How do they talk? What do they do with their hands? Like it's, but now it's just, it just comes naturally. And that's from, you know, building up that confidence in general, building up the confidence for me as a Pilates instructor and then expressing that confidence as a person and then finding out who I actually am, you know, yeah, just things like that. Like I know I keep repeating myself, but it's just I can't express that enough. Mm. And that's, I mean, that is, so you express it so beautifully, that process of going from, you know, what all, I think we all experience a, a degree of what I think of as imposter syndrome 
yeah. feel like we have to be that person, you know, yeah. who's the tray, you said, you know, that's exactly right. I yeah. want to be like a real Pilates instructor, you know. Yeah. What does a real Pilates instructor look like? What do they wear? Yeah. You know, what, what colour is their hair? What yeah. do, you know, how do they talk? Yeah, like, exactly. Kind of and then you realise that you are enough. Like yeah. you're, you're already there. There is no real, there is no real Pilates instructor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I have, I have some absolutely beautiful clients, beautiful, beautiful clients. And there's, there's one in particular that I do privates with, and she's lovely, lovely lady. And you know, she's she's an older client, and so tiny and so little, and she's just so beautiful. And at the end of she's she transferred over from you know, private classes with the owner of the studio to me. And I was so nervous about that because I was like, oh, my God, she's been coming to the studio for years. She knows Beck. She knows all of this. I was like, what's she going to think of me as a 19-year-old teaching her? And then she said to me at the end of the class, she goes, I really, really enjoyed that. Like, I really, like, I loved my class with you. You're just such a bubbly person. You're such, so happy. I love the way you say this. I love the way you say that. And, you know, that was just such a, such a great thing to see and I was getting other positive feedback from people saying I really enjoyed that class I really enjoyed how you said that I really enjoyed how you portrayed that I loved I loved the programming like it's you know it just it was it was just a huge confidence boost to know that you know I don't have to sound like this person I don't have to be like this person I don't have to put on a fake persona I can just be myself and people actually enjoy that and remember that and I was and it you know just getting that reinforcement as well it's a huge confidence boost and not as um, a, just a confidence boost as a Pilates instructor, but as a person as well, because you know that being your authentic self, that's all you need to be for anything. And it was, you know, it was really great to get that. So tell me, tell me about your life now. My life now? Mm. Well, I, um, so I teach at a studio just local to me. I do 6am classes. I do 8am classes. Um, you know, just classes all through the week. I'm actually, I'm still going very, very into my recovery. So I'm, I see a nutritionist, I see a psychologist, I see a psychiatrist, all the, you know, all the fun things in life. Um, you know, I'm just an average 19 year old. I guess I work, I like to study, I like to watch TV. The only difference is that I am pretty much starting my life from scratch, I guess. Like I'm learning who I am meant to be. I'm learning how I'm meant to look, how my natural self is meant to look. Like I could be, I could look nothing like this in like as an, as my normal self, but I wouldn't know because I'm still learning that. But, you know, I'm learning what foods I like, what foods I don't like, what exercise I like to do what my hobbies are. I didn't realize until last week that I don't actually have hobbies because my days were pretty much just consistent of, okay, I've finished one meal. Now I just need to wait until the next time I'm allowed to eat. And it was just a matter of killing time. Like I, I only like it. And that's gone on for four years. And I only just realized that last week that I literally have no hobbies. Like if people ask me, Oh, what do you like to do in your spare time? I was like, uh, uh, wait to eat. (laughs) Like it's, that's literally all I did. So, you know, today now I'm, I'm like a 90-year-old and I knit between <laughs> between my classes. I knit, I crochet, I like reading, <laughs> you know, I like listening to podcasts, I like watching documentaries, I like op shopping, <laughs> like I love going to Vinnie's, I love going to Salvo's, you know, I 
love art. I'm a really, really big art fanatic as well. I do. I really need to get back into it as well, but I'm a bit lazy as well in that. And it just, I don't really like the setup and pack up of stuff. So, but yeah, you know, I do have my hobbies. I'm learning what my hobbies are, but basically my life just right now is just about learning to live life, I guess, learning to eat, learning to have a life without an eating disorder because I've never experienced that and learning to be a, a Pilates instructor, just uh, learning how to better myself. So, yeah, like I know I'm very, very lucky for my life. I don't have the, the nine-to-five job that m- most of my friends have. I don't have those grueling hours in, in the office. I don't have that, um, you know, that umbrella of uni, like that, like that cloud of uni over my head all the time. I, you know, I have a very, very relaxed life for a 19-year-old, like completely different. And it, But in saying that, I also have a life that people don't know about, which is recovery-based. My life just revolves around my job, my small, small little job that I do during the week that gets me some, some cash that I need to get me through my groceries and my petrol and, you know, what I enjoy and I can relax. And then also I have my recovery, which I, you know, have to see my doctors. I have to see my specialists. I have to make sure I'm not dying. Like it's that sort of stuff. And then I have the aspect of me where I'm learning how to juggle life in between that. I'm learning what I like to do in my spare time. I'm learning what I'm meant to look like as a person. I'm learning what to, you know, I'm just learning those things about myself. So life right now is pretty, it's challenging. Like I'm not going to lie. It is very, very hard. I do have my very, very dark days where I will think, what am I going to do? Like what, what is the point of this anymore? What, how do I get through this? How am I meant to live my life like this? How do I have a normal life? What is it like to have a normal life in terms of my eating disorder and the thoughts I have and the, you know, the highs and the lows I get from mental health? And yeah, it's, it is very challenging, but I'm very, very lucky in the, in the, in terms of my job is very flexible. I love my job. I don't ever feel like I go into work. Like I, people go, Oh God, I've got work tomorrow. And I think, yes, I've got work tomorrow. Like it's, it's such a fun thing to do. And then I have all this access to these communities through breathe education and these, and the the friends that I've met through breathe education and all these other pathways I can take and all these other job opportunities I have and all these other windows and doors that are open for me now. It's just a matter of me learning to, take the steps in those directions to walk through those paths, like walk those paths and go through those doors. And that's pretty much my life now. It's just one big juggling act of getting through the days and enjoying the days and learning to enjoy the days. So when you have that, those dark times, like what gets you through? Oh God, my family definitely get me through it. I know that's very cliche, but it's true. My family, like sometimes nothing will get me through it. Sometimes it's a matter of just waiting and waiting it out and to wait it out. I need the distractions and the distractions come from my, my family really, um, you know, keep me on the ball. Sometimes I'll even just go on to like, I'll just need some sort of distraction just to keep me busy because otherwise I'll end up sitting on the lounge and, you know, 
stewing for the day. And one of my go-to things to do is just to chuck on a Pilates podcast or chuck on any podcast or chuck on an interview from the blog or chuck on, you know, a Pilates anytime video and just write notes just to get me to do something. Like even, even reading gets like, I can't even like get out of those depths when I'm reading because it takes so much energy to open the book and read. Yeah. To concentrate. So if I can just play something and I can just, you know, listen to it and take notes or stuff like that, like that absolutely gets me through the day. Sometimes that won't even get me through the day. Sometimes I'll just need to sleep (laughs) and that's just the way it is sometimes. Um, But it's definitely keeping the idea of what my future can entail for me, what there is in the future that I have a lot of pathways I can take. There are a lot of, you know, there, there are so many years in the future as that can be scary thinking about when I'm in those times of, Oh my God, how can I go through another day? I've still got to think that, you know, I can be a good Pilates instructor. I have these clients that look up to me. I have to be a role model for my clients. I, you know, I have my friends, I have my family, you know, I can have a family in the future. I can do this. I can do that. Like it's just setting myself little goals to get through the dark days. It might not be, you know, goals that I can reach in 24 hours, but it's like setting setting something off in the distance just to keep the little bit of momentum going, just to think, right, there is something to work towards, I guess. There is, there is something to do. There is something to keep going for. So it sounds like even when it's like really dark and you can't distract yourself, there's still some part of you, even though most of you feels like, what's the point? There's still yes. some part of you that knows it's going to pass. And yeah. if you can just wait it out, you know, yeah. you'll get you'll get to you'll get to the other side, and yeah. that, and that knowing that you have responsibilities to people like your client yeah. and like your family, yeah, you know, you 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 have obligations to those people. That also kind of motivates you and yeah. helps you kind of, and maybe your future family, yeah, might start for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Like especially the future family one is a huge one because. Um, obviously as a physical repercussion of, um, of eating disorders, your reproductive system shuts down, it completely shuts down because your body goes into starvation mode and it thinks, right, we need to preserve all energy and we don't have the energy to, you know, produce anything to give yourself a family. And so having that insight of, right, if I want to have a family, which is something I've always, always wanted ever since I was really little, I've always wanted to be a mum that is the one thing that keeps me going of, right, if you don't get through the next day, you literally can't have a family. <laughs> like you can't do it. And that keeps me going with my, with my clients. If, you know, if you can't be healthy, how are you meant to teach? How, men, how are you meant to be a role model for your clients? How are you meant to express, you know, living a healthy life if you're not living a healthy life yourself mentally or physically? Like I know I kind of off topic, but I remember in the first uh, week, weekend session with Chloe, she had like a Q&A part and we were just asking questions and I said, what's your opinion on doing the class with your students, um, with your clients? And she goes, well, what do you mean? Do you mean demonstrating or actually being on a reformer, being on a mat and doing the class? I said, oh, you know, doing it. If it's just a small class, can you do it? And she goes, I don't see the point because you're an instructor, not a, not the client. And I then confided in her and said, look, I have – 
I have an eating disorder. What I struggle with and what I was struggling with at the start of my course was the guilt of not exercising if there was a spare reformer or if there was a spare mat on the floor. Like my head would be like, well, you know, you're missing out an opportunity to burn calories, to do this, to do that. And, you know, I spoke to Chloe and she was, you do not need to feel guilty for being, for doing your job. You do not need to feel guilty for being the instructor and being the role model. You are not, you're the, you're the, teacher not the student and that completely flipped my switching and I thought right that's exactly what I need to be I need to be the role model I need to be the student I need to help my clients get through the exercises I need to help them make the the corrections and move their body the right way and then that's also when I realized that you know Pilates and exercise is more than just burning calories and looking a certain way like I was very close-minded in that as well when I, I first started the course because I thought right? How do I program? How do I do programs? that will you know, make people really, really fit. That'll make them, you know, put on a sweat. How will they know it's a good workout? Blah, blah, blah. And then it wasn't until, you know, during the course that I realized it's not just about that. It's a lot like exercise in general with a biopsychosocial. It's a lot more than just the idea of burning calories and, you know, exercising to, for the point of exercising, it makes you feel better. It, clears your mind it makes you feel you know safer in your body like my like I have the the stubborn hamstring but I'm way more flexible than what I was at the start of the course and you know there are exercises that I can do now that are my favorite exercises to do and I hated them at the start of the course and that just proves like and that was when I and I hated them when I was in the mindset of you know exercise is purely for the sake of exercising there is nothing behind it you just have to do it and now it's something that just you do and you enjoy and then you start seeing results and yeah it's just you know it's just there's just a huge different there's a huge element to um to pilates like the whole there's a whole other element to it and it's yeah you've um yeah, what Chloe gave you there is what we, like inside breath education, we call it radical candor. It's yeah. essentially like speaking truth with love. Yeah. And saying like, yeah, you need to hear this and it comes from a loving place. You might not want to hear it, but yeah, yeah you need and to I, hear it. I needed, I needed that permission to say you do not need to exercise all the time. You don't need to do that. And also watching Anula as well. She's, you know, she doesn't, do the exercise. She just teaches a client. She takes them through it. It just gets their body to move. It gets them to move a certain way. And a lot of other instructors are like that as well. And it's, yeah, like even now I struggle with, like I've realized again, like I've made a lot of epiphanies in the last few weeks um, that I haven't exercised for the sake of, you know, for a mindful reason, for the sake of wanting to exercise for maybe four or five years. For the past four or five years, I've just been exercising because I thought exercising was just a way to burn calories and it needs to be done. No one really likes it, but you get it done anyway. And you've kind you know, of been doing it to punish yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like even with the even with the Pilates, at some point it was kind of like, oh god, I really, really don't want to do anything today, but I have to. Like it's that point, and then I'd be like, oh, I'm a Pilates instructor. I need to do this. Like I need to do that. But then I realized you know what? No, like you don't actually have to be a perfectionist at every single part of the the repertoire. You don't need to be able to do this. You don't need to be smashing yourself in the gym or in the, in the studio to be a Pilates instructor. You can 
relax and enjoy life and then portray that enjoyment in your classes and show them to your students. And that was just, yeah, with Chloe, Chloe giving me that permission to say like, you do not need to, like you are the instructor, not the teacher. That was just a huge, that was a huge weight off my shoulders. And that was definitely a moment that, you know, sparked a change or catalyzed a change in myself and in my teaching abilities. Cause I just didn't have that, that weight on my shoulders of, you know, you need to exercise, you need to do this, you need to be doing that, you need to be doing that. And I thought, no, I, I, you know, I'm going to take care of my clients and by doing that, I'm also take caring my, taking care of myself. And that was just a huge thing. You've mentioned Anula a couple of times now and also Jenna Zafino. Yeah. And, you know, they're a couple of my absolute favourites. Um, yeah, so tell me what what are your favourite, what is some of your favourite podcasts? Just kind of a bit of a light relief towards the end. Oh, what do you like to listen to? Oh, favourite podcasts. I do love the, the Pilates Unfiltered podcasts. I could literally, I'd literally just pick any of them and I'll listen to them. I loved, um, I loved her one with John Gary. I'm a little bit of a fangirl of John Gary as well. I was actually a really big fangirl of Chloe before she started teaching. I don't know if she knows that, but <laughs> sure she'll find she, out in a sec. She'll know now. But um, yeah, the podcast, I just, you know, I love listening to the podcast and the blogs. Like I love the one with, um, was it Blossom Leilani? Um, and then I listened to one with Anula and they both made very, very similar points about Pilates that I loved. Like it literally, I was listening to them on the way to the course cause it's only like an hour away from me. And I literally had the like, oh, like a gasp and I was like, Oh, like it was like an aha moment. And it was that it was basically saying like how simple Pilates can be and how simple it actually is. Like you don't need to overcomplicate it. And it was that, you know, it's like forming sentences and to form sentences, and this is a quote from Manola that to form sentences, you need to know your alphabet. And that is the, you know, as Chloe says, the main three veggie Pilates of knowing the exercises and then putting your own spin on it to be able to form those sentences and be able to form those programs. And Leilani said the same thing as well is that, you know, I can enjoy alphabet soup, but I need to know my alphabet first. And I loved that analogy. I love that how she said that. And, yeah, it was just a lot of things like that that I took in from those podcasts that I loved and I use that all the time. I'm thinking, right, I need to, you know, you have to have your base and then work from it and take your time and it doesn't need to be overcomplicated. You don't need to be making crazy, crazy programs and workouts. Like you can literally just keep things simple and then it flows the way you need to. And, yeah, and another thing I got from the, the podcast with, um, with Blossom was that, again, what I said about earlier that, Pilates is so much more than just burning calories and getting in exercise. And I think you also mentioned it in one of the um, blogs as, as well, is that, you know, Pilates is about rehabilitating the body, like finding your why for Pilates. Like, why are you here for Pilates? Like, yes, you know, you can come up and say, oh, I'm doing Pilates because my, my physio recommended it to me. Oh, why did your physio recommend it? Oh, because I got a bad back. Oh, why have you got a bad back? Oh, I injured it you know, back in footy. Oh, so why do you want to fix it now? Oh, because it's stopping me from playing kids. And you're like, ah, well, that's your why. Your why for Pilates is you want to be able to live your life and play with your kids. And Blossom said the exact same thing about, you know, your why for doing Pilates isn't because someone's telling you to, it's because 
you want to improve your life in some aspect. And if you can improve that, your life in that aspect, then you have achieved your goal in exercise. You know, the goal isn't I have I made myself look a certain way. Yes, aesthetics can be a, like the goal behind a lot of things, but, you know, that deep, deep layer of it, of being able to function easier or function better and, you know, with less, um, oh, I can't think of the word, but just be able to function normally and be able to go about your day as an old person without pain and without struggle. Like that's what you want to do. And that's obviously something that I've gotten a lot from the podcast. And I heard that in Courtney Miller's podcasts as well about her programming that she wants to, you know, she'll read the class. She'll see how they're going. She'll, yeah, it's just taken in a lot of information about it. And it's, yeah, it's just something I really enjoy listening to. Just love listening to all of them. I don't have a specific favorite. I just, oh, I take it. Like I said, my, my brain takes in, like soaks in certain parts, certain information of certain things. And yeah, lots of things from the podcast like those have really, really stuck with me and I really enjoy them. I've got another interview with John Gary coming up very soon. <gasps> oh, really? <laughs> um, so what's your why? My why? Um, originally, my why was, you know, to exercise. Uh, like, I'm not going to lie. That was my why originally for Pilates. That was, it was just to get a form of exercise in. And then it, the why was so I can teach Pilates. But now it's, it is that I want to take this further. Like with my, with my career, I want to, I want to progress further with Pilates. I want to help people. I want to, you know, help them I want to help help them with their everyday lives. Like it wasn't until I heard those quotes in the podcast and then I can't, I understood it, but then I had a moment with one of my clients and you know, I mentioned this client earlier, the older, older client that, you know, that I do privates with. And she told me, she goes, Danielle, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling great after our class. I'm feeling a lot stronger. She goes, you know, I've got this, I've got this really heavy quilt on my bed at home. And she says, you know, I, I make my bed each morning and I make it at night. And she goes, and I've just been noticing that it's getting a lot easier to pull that quilt up onto, like, onto me when I go to bed. And that was like the, the moment where it clicked to me. And I was like, that is why I want to do what I want to do. Like, it's not because, you know, I need to smash people and get, give them a good workout. It's not because I need to make them look a certain way. It's not because I need to get them to burn a certain amount of calories. It can be as simple as just being able to pull a blanket over their chest at night. Like it's that made all the difference to me. And that's just, that's just what I want to do. Like I, growing up, I never really knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I'd always say, I definitely want to go to uni. I probably want to do physiotherapy because I spend most of my life in physios with sport, um, bad ankles, bad knees, <laughs> netball. Um, and yeah, and then it wasn't until you know I went through I went through a stage that I wanted to be a midwife, but I can't deal with the you know the not the gross, but the you know the other side the the little joys of midwifery and the you know the gory kind of bits. I'm a little bit <laughs> a little bit squeamish with that. And then uh, you know because I've had my own problems with um, women's health and stuff like that, and then I suddenly realised that there's a big correlation between. On our correlation, it, it's linked to being like a women's women's health 
physio, women's health specialist, and Pilates. And that kind of started the thing for me that I was like, oh, you know what? I could, I actually have a reason to go to uni and do this course if I wanted to do that now. I now have a reason I want to do that. I have this goal ahead of me and I have this idea of what I can do with my life and incorporate Pilates, incorporate this and make it the sole thing that I want to do. I want to help improve people's lives mentally and physically, not just improve them so they have a better cardiovascular endurance or, you know, they can hold a plank for two minutes. Like, yeah, if they can do that, that's great. But if I can help them have a better life, make life easier in any way, shape or form, you know, like I said, pulling the blanket up over their chest, like letting women, you know, prenatal, helping them get down or helping them lie down or sit up and things like that. Like that is, that is my why. Like I want to make that little, those little differences in life that make uh, the, the little physical differences for someone, but they make a huge, they have a huge impact for them. Like not just on me, but for them, it makes a huge impact. And that's what, that's my why. <laughs> Probably a very long answer, but that, that's my why. That's beautiful. Danny, I, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I've, I've loved your honesty and you just, your naturalness. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah. I've, uh, and and I'm really grateful to you for just for sharing the warts and all, Thanks. you know, um, version of your my pleasure. experience. Absolutely, my is, pleasure. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Like you've got a you've got a soapbox right now. Is, would you like to say anything? <laughs> um. Oh God. Not much I want to say. Like just little points of like not being preached or anything, but you know, don't judge. Don't judge by appearances. You know, there is no mould for anything. There is no one way to look for, to have an eating disorder. There is no one way to look to be a Pilates instructor. There is no one way to look through this or to that or to that or to that. And it's, you know, life is much more than just what you see. There is a lot more to it than what you see in, what you see from people on the outside, from what you see yourself on the outside, how you feel on the inside, that's also a huge diff- a huge thing. You know, there's, there is more to life than, phys- than the physical, than the visible and physical. Like there is a whole lot more. Like, I, like saying that right now, that is very, very hard for me to believe. I'll admit that. It's almost like I'm just, you know, saying those, those positive affirmations. So you're like, I am amazing. I'm, I'm tranquil. Like I am pure. And it's kind of like, Oh, like it's a little bit like that, but it's, it's very true. If I could portray that, if someone else is listening to this and they struggle with that, like I will say like after going through what I've gone through with the course, seeing the people that I've gone through the course with, you know, becoming the person I am because of those people and knowing that it was nothing to do with their physical appearance and nothing to do with my physical appearance and my physical capabilities. And it was all to do with my mental well-being, and, you know, and theirs and everything like that. It's, it's just made a huge difference that, you know, there is, like I said, there is more to life than just the, the physical and the visible. And when you say that it doesn't come across at all as trite or, manufactured it's you know i feel a deep honesty coming from you so thank you i I hope so because it really does it is coming from a very very honest place and it's only yeah six months ago i wouldn't have been able to say that i really i really wouldn't have been able to say that i would have said right i need to if i'm a pledge instructor you need it's really 
you need to look a certain way so people know you're a Pilates instructor or so people know that you're fit and healthy, so people know that you do that. But, you know, you can be the healthiest looking person in the world and be, you know, be the most sick, like if that makes sense. Like like, like celebrities, you know, you see all the... You see all their problems that they have these great lives on the outside. You know, they have the, they have the, the, you know, the great spouses. They have this great life. They're rich. They're famous. They're all this stuff. Like I know it's very outlandish and very far from just being a Pilates instructor, but you know, they still struggle with life in general. Like, cause you can't see it. You see, you see what you see from the outside and their lives look great. And then you hear that they're struggling and yeah, that just, Six months ago, I would have just said, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's just what everyone says. But it is after going through what I've gone through with breathe education and the people that I went through as well, went through it with as well and seeing them come from their struggles and seeing them change as people and as instructors, or not even change change themselves, but becoming themselves. Um, yeah, it's that's a really, really big thing for me to say that there is more to life than just the physical and physical and, and visible. Yeah. Uh, it's, you're, you've inspired me and I know that you've inspired all of us here at, at Northcote and at Breathe around the country. I know Chloe's going to be weeping uh. tears when she watches. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so thank you very much I, yeah, from, my, from my heart. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you so much. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means You keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.